Yes, 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 people. Yes, it is. It's going down for real. It's Echo Chamber. It's part two, baby. Woo! Oh my days. Right? So, right now, we're gonna take a look at Cole Spectre's new film. Right? I'm not in love. Yup, yup, yup. That's what we're doing, people. We're gonna look at I'm not in love. And then we sit down with Cole Spectre himself. And we talk about why you make this film, right? We get into it, people. So sit back and let's go. It's always nice to get things that are a little bit different You know, sometimes they completely work Sometimes they don't But it's just interesting to get that other look, right? And, um, yes I'm Not In Love Gives us a different look A slightly different take on relationships It is from, um Cole Spectre Who wrote and directed And, um how do you pronounce this? Uh, Radha Chakraborty um, helped him with the writing. She co-wrote the film. So, yeah, they, they've worked on this film for a, a few years, getting it together, you know, indie films. That's how they often go, right? And he was able to amass a, uh, you know, a well Balanced cast With a lot of familiar faces So we've got um, Al Weaver In You know the, the, I'd say probably the lead role Right As Rob Lloyd His girlfriend Marta Is played by Christina Catalina um, We've got uh, Some of Rob's Friends you know, Chris, played by Morgan Watkins. Um, who who are his other friends? There's a few. <laughs> uh, we have Sunil, who is played by Sunil Patel, and Sean, played by Christian Vitt. Right. So, um, you know. Oh, and there's Rosalind. Eliza as Taylor, the uh, the ex, right? <laughs> so it is executive produced by Chuck Rabuti, along with Christina Edgley, um, Al Weaver as well. Um, Spectre produces along with Vanessa Muir and Hannah Greenwood. Right, so cinematography is Andrew Adelslade, film edited by Michael Chung, uh, and the um, the gist of the film. Well, it's uh, you know it follows Rob. Right, he's in his late thirties, and 
he's got to a point where he needs to decide does he marry his girlfriend have a baby right or is he just not really in love with her you know is he looking for something else so he seeks the advice of his friends who um are either attached in relationships married with kids or he's one other friend who's single chris who uh yeah might be where he wants to be you know dates every night sleeping with different chicks so rob has to decide what to do you know and when he finally does is it gonna go to plan so that's the thing. Now the film starts off, it, you know, it, it, it starts off basically, right, with, you know, we see a baby Rob being told by his dad that he's splitting up with his mum. Yeah, it, it it's not maybe the, um, you know, the best way a kid gets, you know, that introduction to relationships don't always work, right? Maybe not the best way, but that's what we see. <laughs> you know, he gets a pretty frank description of how his dad does not love his mum. And then we see Rob, well, we move forward in time, Rob and Marta are in bed, um... She's praying, he's reading, and um, we we get a feel for that chemistry, right? He's kind of mocking her about her religion, and he kiss, leans in and kisses her, and she's like, I like it when you kiss me like that, which kind of gives you the feeling that they don't always kind of meet on that level. They're not really always that intimate, you know? And I think this is, it's kind of brought further to home because Rob gets a phone call in the morning. It's his friend Chris telling him that his ex-true love, Taylor, is back in town, which seems to stir up a lot in Rob. I think that is evident, right? He now, you know, he's thinking about his situation, right? What am I doing? Am I in love? Am I just going through the motions? And people, we get a feel he might be going through the motions as we have a scene with Robert and Marta. You know, he's making some toast, listening to music. They're having a conversation and they just don't seem to get each other. You know, they don't seem to vibe. And, you know, really to force that point home, Marta meets up with her best friend and they are discussing, you know, the situation. Basically, she tells Marta that, oh, you know, our friend is um, having a kid, right? And that's what Marta really wants. She wants a baby. You know, she wants... To be in that loving situation, right? Which she just isn't in. Well, she's not sure she's in, right? So I think that's the 
that's the big thing, right, that's the, the crux of it all, and, you know, Rob, he's asking his friends, he's trying to get that advice from everyone, and you could look at it, and you can be like, ah, this may be not the best advice, right, it may not be the best advice, everyone is just like, ah, you know what, like, what do you want, just settle, right, just settle, like, stop fucking around, you know, we, I, it's like, this amusing scene at the barbecue, where, you know, all the couples are there, and it's just like, yeah, we don't really get on, right, I don't really love her all the time, but, fuck it, you know, and you're just like, okay, alright, but, I think, it's interesting to see relationships from this point of view, right, it, it's not, the lovey-dovey, you know what I mean, it's not the, oh, it's me and we're falling into each other kind of romances that we see a lot of the time, right, this is, it's a bit more realistic, right, I'd say sometimes the dialogue doesn't always work, you know, it, it can feel a little heavy-handed, a little forced, but they're trying to nail down these situations, right, it does kind of feel a bit high fidelity-esque, you know, and funny enough, the main character is Robin High Fidelity, right, and when he's, you know, what do I want, what am I looking for, let me look at past relationships to see, have I missed out on the one, or is the one who I'm with right now, right, and and we do kind of get a bit of that here, right, we, you know, we have Rob trying to think, all right, is, you know, my ex, is, is she the, the missing link to this all, you know, we see him go on dates that, oof, I mean, they're not the best, <laughs> they're not the best, they don't really work, right, but while we're seeing this, we we do get a glimpse of the other relationships, you know, which is interesting, right, We so we see Chris, and um, we kind of learn that maybe a life of just constant dating isn't yeah, it maybe isn't the best thing either, right, and we see the married couples with the kids, and, you know, they're going through things, but they do seem to, they seem to have a bit more of a sink to them, right, so, yeah, we get Rob having to uh, decide, what do I want, right, what is it I want, and he finally does make that decision. Finally does that make that decision. After a uh, a bit of a terrible day, right? A bit of a terrible day. You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of goes into, uh, I don't know, a threesome that not everyone... Well, actually, it's more of a foursome that not everyone is down for. But, um, 
Maybe three people are more into it than the other, right? Just not the best situation to be in if uh, you haven't agreed on it. You know what I mean? So we see all of this, right? All of this is, is building up. But I think one of the big things the film does kind of lay on you is people. You gotta think about what you actually want, right? Gotta think about what you actually want. And you know, it, it, like it's not about looking for the newer, shinier thing on the horizon. You know, if it means throwing away what you actually care about. Yeah? But you gotta think about this stuff, you know, and Hey, sometimes when you make that decision, it's too late, right? It, it, it's too late. So you got to respect people, you know? And Rob, yeah, Rob distinctly struggles with all of that. So throughout the film, we do get this, I know, I want to say it's a bassoon. I feel it might be a bassoon. But we get this bassoon kind of music playing, which it does get a little bit much. You know, visits the same thing over and over again, and then you're just like, okay, like, I'm not sure we need it right here. And could we get something else? If you really want to put it, it something in, can we get something else? This is getting a little trying, but. It is what it is, you know. The performances are pretty solid, you know. I don't, I don't know if they all fully deliver on the thing that you're looking for. Like it, it the film is kind of, you know, or if you look on IMB, IMDb, it's classified as a comedy, and I don't know if I would call it a comedy as such. Don't know if I'd call it a comedy as such, you know. Um, it's got comedic elements in it, but it's not quite a drama, you know what I mean? It's a comedrami, <laughs> right? But um, yeah, like it, it's pretty solid, but it, it does try and walk that line. A little bit, you know what I mean? I'd say a little bit too much. But, you know, I guess it's depending what you're looking for, people. It does remind me a bit of, um, as I said, look, high fidelity and I give it a year. Right? Though I give it a year, I think, is more of a comedy than this is, though it deals with similar, similar issues, you know, the whole relationship thing, and are we in love, are we not in love, what, you know, like, what are we looking for, all of that kind of thing, you know, I'm not sure if it's as good as I give it a year, or high fidelity, but it does give it a go, right, it does definitely give it a go, and yeah, I'd say hats off for doing something a little bit different, right? Doing a little bit different and um, trying to show relationships from a different point of view. 
But yeah, it the film is um, it's out on Monday the twelfth of April, people. So you can rent or buy it, you know, on all your favorite digital platforms. So um, yeah, people, do you want to take a bittersweet look at relationships? Then maybe I'm not in love is for you. Okay, people, so now you've heard about it, let's listen and talk to the man himself, Carl Spectre, people. Let's get it popping. Okay, so I'm here with Cole Weaver, the director. Cole Spector. Cole, Cole Weaver, the, the, the lead. Yes, the that <laughs> is correct. Just making sure everyone's on point this morning. <laughs> oh my gosh, Cole. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, stopping by. Um, so you've got your film coming really soon right the 12th of april oh, April. that's right yeah i'm not in love hmm so why i'm not in love right you know what i think uh it's a big statement right there Cole. <laughs> um i like the idea that in uh, romantic comedies often it's about finding that special one person I think a lot of movies sell that idea. And I like the idea of what if you don't meet that one special person? What if you're with someone and it's, it's kind of okay, it's not amazing. Should you still press the button and get married and you know, spend a life together? Um, and it's something that when I was telling people about the story, a lot of people going, oh my God, that's a story of my life. Yes, yes, I can relate to that. So it has a theme of settling compromise, which I think resonates with lots of people. Yeah, I you know I, I definitely think I mean there was definitely flashbacks in the film <laughs> to situations, you know, because I think you 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 meet people at different stages of their life, right? And and some people some people want kids at a real early stage, and some want to wait and so you know what I mean? So it's this whole big thing. And I remember one time I split up with this girl. Um and she was just like, but I'm ready to have kids. And if we don't, you know, make this work, I'm gonna have to go meet someone. That's gonna be at least another year. And then there's another year of getting to know them before I can have a kid. So I might as well just do it with you. And I'm just like, that, that's a glowing recommendation. Sign me up. I didn't look at it like that. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> like how much of this film was like past experiences or experiences of people you know well a lot of a lot of it started from conversations that Radha and I uh, Radha Trubbaport is my co-writer and I had with women so it's kind of collecting a little bit of information um, from real women's stories and then there's also an element of stealing conversations 
from married men that I know as well. So it's very much a little bit of borrowing from here, a little bit of borrowing from there. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of truth in the film because I've, I've heard a lot of it. <laughs> I, I do think that it, it does kind of make you think about relationships, right? And why people are together. And I think one of the big telling points in the film is, um, you know, whenever they're speaking about Marta, they're like, why do you like Marta? Like, well, she's very loyal. Yeah, she's very loyal and she's kind. And I'm just like, if that's the best you can come up with, where someone's like, so tell me about your partner. If that's all you can come with. It kind of, you know, doesn't bode well for situations. That's what he's seeing at that moment in time, yeah. It does sort of shift a little bit, his perception of her as the film goes on. But at that moment in time, that's the conversation with some of his friends because he's not seeing the whole picture. Yeah, and he's not really getting the best of advice, I would he's say. He's not always getting the best of advice. And there's a point, I think he gets very extreme advice. So there's a point in the film where it's actually up to him to make a choice of what to do. Yeah, yeah, there's, I, I think there's always that thing where if you ask other people, they don't know your experiences. So they can't really give you anything. They can, if, you, if you're asking a broad question on like, how long did you wait before you proposed? They can give you that answer, but they can't really give you the answer on, you know, do you think she'll say yes? Or like, do you think she loves me? Like they don't really know any of that stuff. So it's like, when we ask people for advice, I think we need to kind of caveat it with what do we actually want from this conversation? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, yeah, like you, you're asking all those people, you'd be like, you know, it needs to be like, well, she's a six. You know what I mean? Be like, oh my God, <laughs> be told, oh yeah, you girls a six. But, you know, you're not, you're like a five, six yourself. So it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Again, I'd just say that they're quite real conversations that uh, I have heard um, all of that. And, you know, everyone who's giving their opinions, they've all got a point. You know, all of them, you know, they're, they're speaking some sort of truth, but ultimately that the character Rob has to decide what's, what's right for him, as you say. Yeah. So when you were putting this together, what was, like, was the ending always the ending or, or yeah. did that kind of shift um yeah i think the ending was always that ending um i mean yeah and and then you kind of go backwards because you kind of need a diametric opposition between the ending of the film and then the end of the second act so that kind of yeah i don't want to give too much away about that yeah <laughs> the, yeah, the yeah, film. yeah but um it, it was always, it was always there. There are just different kind of shades of how far it could go. But yeah, that kind of ending. Um, was there. I mean, I it, it, it was definitely a bold move having the ninjas come in like that. I wasn't expecting it. Radha and I, like, she argued against the ninjas, but I said, we need to bring the ninjas in. <laughs> and I, think I, I think I'm right. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it definitely worked. Yeah. <laughs> and then the spaceship, that was her suggestion. I, I, at one point, I was thinking at first, have we jumped a shark here? But then, you know, once you kind of get down with it, I'm like, no, actually, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, the big shark is important. <laughs> so did you have, um, you know, people in mind when you were writing these characters? Or did that, you know, when you saw people, you're like, oh, you'd be perfect for this role? To begin with, it was really tricky because um, working on a long time ago, originally I was kind of thinking about someone like Chris O'Dowd in the lead role. And then as time went on, I thought I was going to get the money and it didn't happen. It took a long time to get going. Um, I was thinking of Al, Raja and I, when we were writing it, we're thinking of Al um, because it was such a long, long process originally starting on it to, to finish it. Um, and then the last couple of years, we were just thinking about Al in the role and that really helped tailor the script. Because there's not many people who could play that part. I mean, I, I can't think of anyone else apart from Al to play that part. So as it went on, it got more and more tailored to him. And it was so much easier writing it, thinking about Al. I'd made a movie with him and I'd made a short film with him. So I kind of knew, and I was also a friend. So I kind of knew how, well, I had a sense of how it was going to play. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he also really liked the idea of playing as well, which was nice. It was it seemed like a very good fit. But boy, oh boy, is that a hard part to cast the lead. <laughs> and then it's you know finding the, the the rest of the cast. Like, did you um, have them hang out to kind of form bonds and relationships, or was it just on set and do your thing? We did the guys. There's a kind of. Um, three or four male friends. I kind of got most of those together a bit before because I wanted to try out that chemistry. It was really important getting all those guys to be to be correct. Um, although one actor pulled out just before because it was a family disaster that happened. So I had to quickly recast one of them, but it all seemed to work out in the day. Um, but I was a bit nervous having not brought everyone together, but it, it was fine. And there was enough time on set as we came setting up the camera for people to start to get to know each other. Uh, so did you send them to an actual, um, you know, exercise class? <laughs> yeah, they had about, there's a Krav Maga, a couple of scenes of Krav Maga class. And there was about one and a half hours where they got trained up by the Krav Maga instructor. Um, I was a bit nervous about that. I was a bit nervous because it's a hard martial art, but they did great. They really did. I was really worried that one and a half hours wouldn't be enough, but the guy who's the instructor who's in the film, he said it was going to be fine and that they did a good job. Okay, like with things like that, I mean, you always wonder, right? But so why Krag Maga? Like there's, you know, you, you look at some scenes sometimes and you think, oh, could that have been football? Could they have been in a park playing chess? Could they, like, was that intrinsic to the scene? Or did you just, you know, circumstances fit and it just all worked out that way? Um, originally, I like the idea of it being, one, one person describes Krav Maga as the most fuck off martial art there is. And I like the idea of these guys who are not very good doing the most brutal um, martial art that there is um, and there's also questions of masculinity what does it mean to be a man 
And it was just kind of funny, the idea it was the most terrifying, the most awful. And again, that gives you kind of comedy potential where it's really, really tough. And Eddie's guy, guy's kind of um, getting nervous in the background. So that was, that was the basic idea. And I just thought it'd be funny to have a really, really horrible martial art where anything goes or it seems that anything goes in it. And I saw some videos online and I thought, yeah, this is, this is kind of work. Because football wouldn't be the same. It's, it's them out of their comfort zone and it's meant to look a little ludicrous. Yeah, no, I, I, I see. Yeah, I mean, football, yes, because it's like so many people and it's, yeah, having four people have a conversation during a football game, it would be a bit odd visually, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted something that just sort of sounded a bit funny, the idea of them doing this martial art together. Because all. All a lot of time I'm kind of taking a piss out of the characters. I'm kind of with them emotionally, but also taking the piss. So it's that fine line between being with them, but also smiling at them. Yeah, because we touch on a lot of different things when it comes to um, relationships. You know, like, uh, I think it's fear of rejection you know, intimacy issues. So there's all these different things in the film and trying to balance that, right? So trying to have it so it's just not there for, you know, a joke, right? So it works within the context of the film, but you're, you know, you're still able to have fun around it. How was it to walk that line? You know, were there scenes that you were, I need to change that or that's just not working at all. Let's get rid of it. Um, I think it, it all starts in the writing and then it, so much more of the writing is in the casting. So if it's written right and it's cast right, you can tell in the casting, yeah, you're, if you're smiling. So yes, you have to have emotional connection, but also I'm kind of smiling at the same time. So... You, the casting is so crucial. It's so crucial. So, so that you, you know, you're walking that fine line, but it is a fine line. Casting the wrong person, and it just, the joke falls flat and the emotion falls flat. Mm. And, and, and in terms of casting, it's got to feel like characters who are that person. I don't like it when it feels acted. It's just got to be like a nice snug fit, the, 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 the casting with the role. And then hopefully things are working out right. But it's delicate comedy because it's so easily fail. But I don't try and over-egg the comedy. Hopefully the situation and the casting is right and it takes care of itself if it's played straight. No one ever is doing this thing to try and be funny. It's always, hopefully, played straight. Yeah, and I know it's, it's that thing with comedy, right? That everyone finds things different in their own way. So you know, you might give it to some people, they're not gonna chill with it, but other people are gonna love it. So it's just, it must make it a little bit more difficult to kind of screen test that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, because it's not, I mean, I'm not, I don't think it's really a romantic comedy. It's structurally a romantic comedy. I see it as more a relationship comedy or it's a kind of char character, character study. That's not really a type of film, but it's more a dramedy. Um, yeah, people have got to be with, it's got a bit of a kind of European sensibility. It's not like a big American rom-com. It's much drier, much rier. It's got a foot in 
Jim Jarmusch or Aki Kurismaki. It's a very, very dry comedy. And um, yeah, you've got to have a taste for that kind of dryness, I think. Yeah, yes, it's, it's not Bridget Jones, right? It's not- I mean, it's, it's dealing with the different spectrum of a relationship rather than, you know, with a group, the cute me, as it were, right? It, it, it's the, the flip side of that. You know, so that I think that's where it gets interesting because, yeah, it's not always that Disney moment, right? How many times have you walked into the room and your eyes meet and then birds are flying, a deer are bringing you your jacket, and then you run off into the sunset? I mean, that doesn't happen to for 99% of the world. So, yeah, it is, I think you need to see that different type of story, right? I think so, yeah. And it's quite nice doing something in the context of being different to, to more mainstream. So making a virtue of it being more of a kind of indie take. Hopefully it's just a more realistic take. So it's not a worse film. Hopefully it's as good, if not better, because it's more realistic. Yeah. Because when you're like looking at things like, um, you know, fertility and, you know, uh, relationship counselling and stuff like that. Do you, like, is there the thought of, oh, this might need a bit more time in the film rather than just a couple of moments? Like, you know, trying to balance it so it, it works within the context of, like, these relationships, you know? Do, do you kind of, how do you play that? Um, are you talking about setting something up and spending lots of time exploring an idea? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, it's, you know, if someone came to you, right, and was just like, you know, your friends like, oh man, having, having problems with my girl. And, you know, I think we're gonna have to go see a counselor or something and be like, yeah, no, cool. So I watched this football game and you're like, you're in real life, you're gonna sit with that a bit longer, right? But you've got a film. So you've got a set amount of time to, you know, traverse through these situations. So how much, if you're including these certain things, is there a thought of, oh, we kind of need to sit with this for, for this amount of time. I think so. You're, you're thinking about that when you're writing it and you're thinking about it when you're shooting it and you're thinking about it when you're editing it. But I think also people have seen so many rom-coms um, and, and the audience are always ahead of it. And Radha and I don't like to over-egg something, over-explain. The way it's filmed, is it's often a little bit of a, a distance, just observing it almost a little bit like an alien observing behavior so there's a sense of theory which is kind of eavesdropping on this person's life and in life sometimes you don't get the full story but you have enough that you can work out what's happening i think yeah we, we always hated the idea of over explaining so mm. it's just got to meant to have its own rhythm um, and hopefully hopefully it, it, it works in terms of enough information is given for people to follow it that was that's what we intended yeah yeah and co-writing how does that work for you because i've heard so many people talk all the different ways in which they collaborate 
how do you, yeah, how do you make it work? Um, I think one thing which is just crucial for me, if I'm making a film about relationships between men and women, it's really important to have a woman because I think often, not always, but often, I can tell if it's a guy having written something because the women aren't quite authentic. So it's already a win-win if you a great writer to work with who's a woman if you're writing this stuff. But practically, I would do a draft and I showed it to Rada, she'd give feedback, she'd make suggestions, um, she might say stuff and I'd be writing it down as she's saying it. And then I'll go away and do another draft and then show it to her, read to her, she'll give feedback, I'll make notes. So it's that kind of to and throw version, my version, her version. And she works very well like that, responding to something that she's got. She'll kind of tear up a lot of it and then make new suggestions. So that's kind of how it works. Kind of, it's, it's a very slow, slow process. Okay. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's quite good to have a lot of time because it just takes time just to think about solving problems because there's quite a few problems to try and solve along the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely trying to get those voices because I think you, you always want to make sure that everyone's got a different voice rather than everyone just sounds the same because that's yeah that's never a good a good thing when you watch a film or you know tv show whatever and it's just like wait they're all the same character like what's happening yeah there are two married guys who who, who seem as if they're fairly happily married and all the time was really wants to make them very very different because early versions they were a bit too similar so again, I kind of started thinking about who they were, who the people I, I know who are closest, and then that really helped make them different. Because yeah, early on, they seemed too similar. Yeah. So how long did this all take to, um, you know, put together and- It took a good, uh, very early version. It, it took a good 10 years just from 11 years from early kind of versions to the final version. So shooting it, editing it was about, shooting it was 17 days, editing was about a year and a, about a year, sound another few months. Um, but the writing was a very, very slow, slow thing. Mm. I was doing other things in between. Yes. This, this, was, this, was a, this was a tricky little, very slow, slow film to write. Yeah, when something, you know, you're sitting on something for so long, right? Do, do you get to a point where, you know, do you, you, it's completely different to the animal you started with? You know, because you've changed um, so much within that period of time. I just think it got better and better and more and more intelligent. I mean, I, I thought it was going to get commissioned really quickly after I wrote it. Someone said they were going to green light the film. And, and then we didn't get the money for it. And, um, and I was really, really upset. But there was a writer director who said, I think this is gonna be the best thing because I think the script can get better. And I thought, no, I don't think so. But the script's got so much better. So it's great when you know each draft is just getting better and better. So it's just mm -hmm. painful, but something you gotta do sometimes. Some things are just really, really hard to crack and, and get to the point where they're ready to make. Yeah, but 
have you seen a difference in like the funding models since the beginning of this and now? Yeah, I think it, I think it's harder to get funding over the time because it's harder to make money back from films which aren't big budget films. The, 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 the smaller budget films are hard. And um, in terms of state funding, it seems to be the kind of very specific criteria looking for. So I think it has got harder, yeah. I think this idea of going to private investors and getting to invest money in films is proving harder because it's harder to make good money back on your investment. I know from talking to some people, it's like with, you know, leaving Europe and everything like that, that stopped a lot of, you know, the funding streams that were yeah. in yeah, play. Definitely. Definitely. So how does that affect the motivation for creating, you know, going forward? I wonder if it makes you think about making it as simple as possible but I don't know if the motivation changes because there's always that, you know, there's belief that you'll make it somehow. But I think you've always got to be thinking about how low could I make this film if I had to, I guess. You've got to have a plan B as yeah. well as a plan A um, because you may not get the money for your plan A. So, yeah, I think the great thing about digital technology is you can make films you know, quite cheaply. So you're having a plan B and a plan C is probably a good thing. <laughs> uh, but has it, has it kind of opened up any new kind of, you know, avenues for you, right? So you just, over this time and with the, you know, advancement in technology, you've now seen new ways in which, you know, you can get the film out to people and you can communicate about the film. Well, that's the weird thing, because my previous two movies were distributed in, in the normal way in the cinema, and then they were sold to BBC, BBC One, BBC Two, and then, you know, UD deals in other countries. And this business about not releasing in the cinema is very strange, um, mm. different, but in a way, hopefully it might be better because more people can see the film watching at home. So I, I just love the idea of premiere in the cinema. I love all that. And it's just a different thing because it's a, it's a much more quiet release. Um, and then online festivals, this is not the same as a real film festival. So I'm just trying to get my head around it, but also hoping that it can be a positive thing because more people can see a film when they watch it on um, Apple TV or Sky Store or whatever. So it's going to see what it's like in, a, in just over a week's time when it comes out. Yeah, it is that thing, isn't it? There's, you know, with a big premiere, you've got the press, the red card, you know, there's this whole razzmatazz. But when it's like, okay, so it's released on this day on Amazon Prime, it's not quite the um, kind of thing, right? But I mean, there's still that anticipation for things, right? Yeah. That you have to find new ways to create the fanfare as it were. I guess, yeah, I don't quite know what that is, but in theory that there's that, isn't there? Yeah, creating some sort of fanfare somehow. <laughs> Have you ever tried Thunderclap or, or things like that? What is it? What's Thunderclap? Uh, right, so um, basically it's kind of like 
well, no, it's not kind of like Kickstarter, but in, in essence though, you, you do this thing. And so you set up a campaign, right? So you might have a, a message, right? So it'd be like, um, uh, you know, you might have, you know, you know, your film and you say something like, uh, looking at relationships from a different angle, right? So, and you say you want to get a hundred people engaged with this campaign and once you get that 100 people signed up that's your bare minimum more can but on then the set day so the 12th of april like over all the selected social medias that you decide this will go out so it will appear on everyone's um feeds so the more people you get to sign up the more coverage it gets right and so this big message suddenly pow you know right. at 12 o'clock on the 12th boom you know you get this big kind of cascade of information huh. so there's kind of things like that but i only found i i found out about that through um you know i was doing this uh contract somewhere and um i utilized it to launch you know this new initiative day but I'd, I'd not heard of it before that. But yeah, there's different kind of things like, like that that can help you create that, you know, buzz, uh -huh. as it were. Okay, thank you. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. You know, is lockdown is shutting, it's coming to a close supposedly, but are these models, you know, are they going to change? Right, the, the way people, you know, consume this sort of information, you know, it yeah. seems that, you know, the windows between, you know, release and the theatre are definitely shrinking. Yeah. yeah. Right? But what do you think about that, actually? Um, I, I don't. I, I don't suppose it's, it's such a problem. There's a shorter period of time between cinema release and release digitally, um, but I do still miss the idea of a launch in the cinema, going to see a film in the cinema. Because this film, I think, works so well in the cinema because there's a kind of slowness to it in certain places, and that works so well in the cinema. And um, I don't really like the idea of someone watching on a small screen my film because it's played from a big screen. Um, but then you you know you can't push against progress. I mean, I do love watching films at home because I've got a nice TV, and I don't have people behind me eating popcorn and kicking my seat. So, uh, in theory, for kind of indie movies, this digital release is an amazing thing because you can see films which might be in just small cinemas. You can see them anywhere in the world. So, I guess you weigh things up. Maybe digital release system is better because you can target people who are into those sort of films and that can be anyone around the world can see them and not immersive, you know, going into car, driving to town and seeing that film for that period of time. But do you think that having a digital release, say on the same day as a theatrical release, that's going to stop people going to the cinema? I would have thought so, yeah. I would have thought so. Uh, what do you think? I don't think it will. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's, right, so it, it's like going to a gig, right? You can buy a CD, which is, you know, great, 
but going to see your favorite you know artist live there's a different experience to that right and so going to see something in the cinema there's that situation of you know when a certain thing happens and everyone has that same reaction you know like at the end of um infinity war when you saw you, you know you you saw captain marvel side and everyone disappearing everyone's like <gasps> you know what I mean? like actually everyone in the cinema is like that same reaction and you're in that moment right and everyone's walking out excited for the next one or they're talking about oh what about that bit in the film when that happened or you know even if it's not like you know it's a, a lower action film right but you're talking about oh man i've been in that scenario Whew. yeah i feel for Marda, right don't you yeah no, no, no it's tough right so but there's that camaraderie you know what I mean? you're talking you're like yeah. you don't get that home yeah. so where I think it's it opens things up right there's a, a lot of my friends you know they've had kids so going to the cinema is tough yeah yeah so yeah. they can now get to see the film but me I'm still going to the cinema right yeah. so I think it, it opens up you know the opportunity for more people to technically see stuff yeah I don't think it's going to stop people from going yeah but i don't know i think i think it definitely makes cinemas up their game because you think about right the money you're paying now to go to the cinema and the service at a lot of them it's not the best mm. <laughs> you know what i mean it's just like the the seats aren't comfortable they don't screen check you know so there's noise and rubbish happening you know yeah. and, and it's like it's expensive so I, I think it will force cinemas to offer a better service yeah yeah so i think the, the um every man is starting to offer that better service yeah they're really expensive um but at least they are doing that they're going the extra aren't they yeah i think mean, you've got places like the everyman the curzons you mm. know the you know picture how the seats at the picture house central are so nice you know mm. you, and it's like you know i love the little screens at the bfi so you've got places like that that are great you know mm. you can see films and it's really enjoyable but then you go to some of these other places and it's not it's not so much so i think it kind of will shake things up make people go okay yeah we better up yeah. our offer yeah and then you'll see Oh. I remember seeing Joker at my local Odeon on the day it came out and uh, just loads of people just on their phones and it's like no one's stopping happening <laughs> and so it's right over to one side it wasn't it wasn't the most enjoyable experience yeah yeah we it's so it's a weird because I used to work at a cinema right and there, there was you know there was a policy of you give people free you know free warnings I was like, no, <laughs> if people mess up, I'm kicking them out because you know how to act in public, right? It, it's not, oh, I didn't know I shouldn't have my phone, my bright screen on in this dark room. Oh, I didn't know I shouldn't be talking while people are trying to enjoy this thing on the screen. So I'm just like, listen, 
you mess up, you're out. And I kick people out. Did you do that? Yeah. But it's, it, (laughs) it was a drastic drop of the incidents at the cinema once I changed the policy, right? Because then people know, okay, if I want to go watch a film here, I can't fuck around, right? There's, why are you letting people fuck around? And then you just, you know, I implemented screen checks, right? So you, 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 the staff, and you can do it so you're not interfering, but you just monitor the screen every, I don't know, it depends on what kind of film it is and how big the screen is, but you can do it like every 15, 20 minutes. You know, you just pop your head in, yeah. make sure everything's cool. So if something isn't, you're in a spot where people, they can, they could, they can see you and know to go to you, but you're not interfering with the experience. I go to that cinema, the cinema that you're at. That sounds like a good one. Yeah, like it, it just stops the problem. And I think if you do that, you're not having the same crazy issues, you know? And mm-hmm. that's the thing, because I know at my local Odeon, sometimes I've been and there's just talking and it's crazy. Yeah. And afterwards you compl- you know, you say, um, it's people talking all the way through the film. And they're like, oh, you should have come and told me. I'm like, firstly, it's dark. Right, so really, I'm going to try and make my way out of the screen to come tell you. Secondly, you're meant to be doing that. Yeah. You're meant to be ensuring that. You know, it's this weird attitude that they they have, and I, I think with these changes, it will force them to change that attitude. Up, up the game, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but um, yeah, it's a weird one. Is it? I think it's interesting times. Interesting times ahead for sure. Yeah. You know, but um, what's the you know when your film because your film will be dropping on the twelfth, right? So what happens for you as you know director writer? You know you've created this thing, it drops on the twelfth. So what then happens for you? Um, just trying to sort out distribution for the rest of the world. Just get a sales agent in and um, just. Push it, push it out. That's it. Um, and just, I'm just hoping that um, the distributor will also um, do TV sales to different terrestrial or different television stations in UK and Ireland, and then try and get a Netflix deal and see what the life is after that. Oh gosh, yes. Like you know, I completely forgot because that was a whole thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it hit the cinema, then. Like a year later, it'd be DVD, and then it was a year later, it hits TV, yeah. something like that, right? So but I, mean, I think, yeah, now with you know streaming platforms, you forget about the TV deal kind of side of things. But yeah. there's so much to think about. <laughs> it must be crazy just having to be like, okay, right, we've got a release date, but. All right, now we got to think about this next thing. <laughs> oh man! And do you have a um, another project? Like, do you know I'm what writing, you're... I'm writing? Um, a comedy which is set in the past in London at the moment. So that's taking up a lot of time. Just trying to get the head around that, trying to solve a few little problems on it. But it's getting there. It's getting there. Okay. And when we say past, are we talking Dickens? 18th century. 18th century London. Okay. 
Ah. I don't want to say much more about it. It's just, <laughs> it was going okay. well. Ah, interesting, man. Well, I hope all that goes well. Thank you. And um, yeah, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope this is a, a, you know, big success for you, man. Thank you very much, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, no worries at all. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And um, yeah, you know, I like the fact that you, you know, you took this different look at the the whole relationship scenario. So um, yeah, nice going with the film, man. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. No worries, man. Right. Thank you. So people, go check it out, right? I'm Not In Love is out on the 12th of April. Lost you. I just lost you. I'm Not In Love, yes. Yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot, Carl. Thank you very much. Cheers, then. Okay, people, so that's it. We are done. I hope you enjoyed that. It was interesting to speak to Cole. Um, Yuri, the film is out on Monday the 12th. And remember, people, if this is all you've listened to this week, hey, we've got part one. Part one with three other films that we take a deep dive into. So, <laughs> thing to do, people, go check that out, right? Go check out part one. And, people, share with your friends, right? Pass on to your peoples, all those film lovers. And remember, we've also got Echoes from the Void. Dropped a new episode on Wednesday. And we've got Chin Check, right? So people, go take a look at those and keep your eye out for our BFI Flare recap.